the first time today. We're glad to have you, and uh, we hope that you will take the time to fill out a visitor's card. Hopefully, you were handed one as you came in. If not, there are some in the backs of the pews, and there's also a little tear out in the bulletin where you can fill out a visitor's card. If you wonder what's wrong with my voice? I've been in Kentucky all week, just about. Got a cold while I was up there, and I was trying to get my voice back now. Hope you'll bear with me. But I take this time, if you would, and turn around and shake hands with a dozen people or so. Tell somebody you're glad to see them this morning. Way back there at the first 
ushers come forward we'll go ahead and receive the offering the Bible says God loveth a cheerful giver and uh, I don't think God asks too much out of us when he just asks for 10% of what he gives us amen and I think we can rejoice in the fact that we're able to give to God something that's going to be used to further his kingdom um, this week I was at our, our faith soul winning program uh, our, we have a 16 week program here that a lot of you have taken and many more are involved in this time but uh, I learned in three days this past week what you learned in 16 weeks so we uh, had a it was kind of an exhausting schedule but on Thursday night we were able to go out and knock on some doors there in Paducah Kentucky and we're able to visit with some folks and, and talk to some folks and um, didn't have enough prospects necessarily to go see somebody specific so we just went out knocking on doors and faith has a little opinion poll where you can ask people five religious questions or religious related questions and the last question is asking him about going to heaven and God enabled us to uh, as, as I was standing it just had to be my turn at the at the door and I had just got through we were walking up the road it was raining just got through looking at the two guys that were with me and saying you know if I was at my church I would not be out doing this tonight it was raining it was cold I was losing my voice anyway I said I don't want to be out here tonight and they said it's your turn went up knocked on the door and did the opinion poll with a man named Ted Brown, and he invited us into his home, and we were able to take the Bible and show him how to be saved, and Thursday night he trusted Christ as his Savior. And uh, that just goes to show that even when we don't want to be out there, sometimes 
God has divine appointments for us, and I rejoice in that. But it was your giving that enabled me to go to a faith clinic, and it was your giving that enabled me to lead somebody to Christ on Thursday night. You had a part in Ted Brown getting saved, and that's a wonderful thing, and we thank God for what he's done here in this church. I would call on somebody to pray, but I don't. I'm looking out. I don't know anybody's name. <laughs> so I guess I'm going to pray again. <laughs> Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless the offering. All right. Lord Jesus, we ask you to help us as we give. Thank you for the opportunity to give. May it continue to be used to further your work here in this church. In your name we pray. Amen. She continues playing. I shared this story in Sunday school about this song. The background of this song, it is well with my soul. The story goes that the man who wrote it, Mr. H.G. Spafford, lost everything that he had in the great Chicago fire. And as he was trying to regroup, he uh, decided he'd go to Europe with his, take his family to Europe and take some time away. The last moment he was called away on business and he sent his wife and his daughters ahead of him promising to meet them overseas. And uh, the story goes that they, as he went away to do his business deal, their steamship collided with another vessel and sank and many people lost their lives, including his four daughters. He waited for some news from his wife about what had happened and he finally got a telegram that had two words, saved alone. He knew then he'd never see his daughters again. As he got on a ship to go overseas and join his wife, he uh, told the captain of his vessel, he said, I want you to tell me when we get to the place where the other ship went down. 
The captain came down and woke him up one night and said, we're about to pass over that place. And he walked out on the deck of that ship and stood there all alone, just him and the Lord. Looked down at the murky water where his daughters had met their grave. And he began to write the words, when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. You know God has to be real if a song like that comes out of a situation like that. And I didn't mean to interrupt y'all's playing. But thank God that we can say no matter what's going on around us, it is well, it is well with my soul. We thank God for that. Amen.
Thank you for your prayers and still don't have my voice back good, but oh, the joy's never left my heart. <laughs> oh, God is so good this morning. As Janice taught this morning on Isaiah 53, she said something. She said, she talked about the sacrifice, and I can't quote what she said, but there was a statement that said, what a great sacrifice he gave and how much he deserves our love. 
Am I showing him how much I love you? I hope if he's not Lord of everything in your life today, that you'll make him Lord. Oh, what a glorious thing to abide. Just to abide in him. He's still Lord today. just a child I heard the beautiful story of how you loved me so you died on Calvary
Full this morning. That was some wonderful singing, wasn't it? 
Thank God he's still Lord. Hallelujah. It's our privilege this morning to have Brother Eddie Goddard here to preach. And uh, he has been sick over the last couple of weeks. I guess it's just the time of year for that kind of stuff to happen and everything. But um, God has allowed him to get better enough to preach the morning service today. He was going to try to preach both of them, but he's just going to be able to preach this morning. And uh, tonight, if my voice holds out, you'll get to hear some real preaching. <laughs> I don't even know him. I hope he can take a joke. Um, but anyway, <laughs> but uh, Lord willing, tonight uh, I'll be bringing a message on living beneath the privileges that we have as a Christian. And uh, then Wednesday night and also next Sunday, I'll be bringing the messages. So if you would pray for me as I'm preparing for that and everything. And uh, this is this is kind of neat, you know. I've never been in church service where I could just do whatever I wanted to. I like this. It's kind of neat. Um, but anyway, Brother Eddie is going to come free sports this morning. We're glad to have him. And uh, thank you for worshiping this morning. I've, you get a different perspective sitting up here and get to watch how folks are reacting in the service. And I see some of you with tears. I see some of you raising your hands. Some of you saying amen. Some of you just sitting there and smiling. But either way, I'm glad to know we're all worshiping God. And I'm thankful that we can do that. And we worship him because he is still Lord. And uh, choir, you did a great job. Thank you. And a uh, wonderful song about thinking about home. I tell you what, we just got all kinds of talent in this church. But every time I turn around, somebody else is playing another instrument, somebody else is singing or whatever. And uh, God has just blessed us. We're grateful for it. I want you to give a, an attentive ear to Brother Eddie God this morning as he brings the message. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I'm like, uh, they sang uh, about the train to heaven. <laughs> I, I was about to get on that train <laughs> two weeks ago, and uh, I, I was dumb. We all are a little bit, but I laid there and almost died and didn't go to the hospital and find someone that's going to die. <laughs> I thought we better go and uh, stick around a little bit longer. Amen. I appreciate your prayers. Uh, go back to the doctor tomorrow. Pray for. I, I, I was going to tell you, Doreen and I uh, went to the doctor, and the doctor checked me out. And after he checked me out, he told Doreen, said, uh, told me to leave. He said, uh, I want to talk to your wife. And uh, he told her, he said, there's nothing wrong with Eddie. He said, he, he just needs you to, just needs a lot of TLC, bring him his breakfast in bed, and take some Jerkins lotion, and Massage his feet two or three times a day and then get some good lotion and massage his shoulders and, and just pampering. I said, it'd be okay in about 30 days. And she came out to the car and I, I was kind of anxious. I thought, what in the world did he tell her, you know, worse than I thought it was. And I said, honey, what, uh, what did he say? She said, Eddie, got some bad news for you. You're going to die. <laughs> she, she wasn't going to do all that. Amen. But it's good to be here. Uh, I want you to take your Bible's turn to Deuteronomy. Uh, Chapter 1, and uh, I'll be like uh, I told you before, Brother Rustin Moon and I, we got this phobia. It's called borophobia. We're afraid of long sermons. And uh, I'll try not to preach too long. Amen. And thank the good music people singing this morning, the choir, the specials. And uh, Brother Aaron, uh, for his, uh, I know, uh, it's bad not to know anybody's name in church, amen. <laughs> uh, I've been there and done that. It takes you about six months to learn your way 
to learn the people. And then uh, by that time, uh, you got to leave because of sickness. People get sick of you. <laughs> Just kidding, brother. And uh, I, I, w I want you to stand with me. <laughs> uh, let's pray and then remain standing to read the Word of God. Father, we do thank you this morning for the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. Thank you, Lord, for being so good to us and helping us and strengthening us. Give us strength today. God, speak to our hearts today. Lord, without you, we're nothing. We can do nothing worthwhile. It'll all be sounding brass and tingling cymbal. Pray you'd help us today. Help every preacher that preaches a gospel that stands up about this time every Sunday morning in the Eastern time zone. Bless them. Give them strength. Help us today, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. I won't read all these verses, but beginning in verse 21, you know the story. Uh, it was time for the Jews to go into the promised land. And uh, verse 21, it says, Behold, the Lord God has set the land before thee. Go up and possess it, as the Lord thy, uh, God of thy fathers has said unto thee, Fear not, neither be dismayed. And you know the story. They went and searched the land. And in verse 25, they took of the fruit of the land in their hand and brought it down unto us and brought us word again, and said, It is a good land which the Lord our God doth give us. Notwithstanding, you would not go up, but rebelled against the commandment of, uh, of the Lord your God, and murmured in your tent door, and murmured in your tents, and said, Because the Lord hated us, He hath brought us forth out of the land of Egypt, to deliver us into a land of Amorites, and to destroy us. Whither? Shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, The people is greater and taller than we. The cities are great and walled up to heaven. And moreover, we have seen the sons of the Anakins there. That was the giants. So look at verse 32. Yet in this thing you did not believe the Lord your God. You may be seated. You know, the Bible says, Without faith it's impossible to please God. And here it says, Yet in this thing ye did not believe God. You know, you make a lot of decisions in your life. You, you got up this morning and uh, Doreen said, Honey, uh, you want two eggs this morning or one? You know, it'll be a little later when you get your lunch today. And I said two. I made a choice. Now, that, that'll not have much lasting effects on my life. That'll not changed my life much because I decided to eat two eggs and yesterday decided to eat one egg. I, I, I got several suits and uh, I chose to wear this suit this morning. I just, I thought about it. I said I'm going to wear the gray one, the black one, the striped one, the green one, the, uh, 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 or the taupe. But I made a choice. Now, a hundred years from now, it won't make any difference what kind of a suit I had on this morning. Won't even make any difference whether I wore a suit or not a hundred years from now or ten years from now or even next week. One time uh, when I was in school back in the 60s here in Chattanooga, um, I bought a suit. It was uh, an olive suit, three-piece wall wool sharp suit. And I, I, when I moved back to West Virginia and was pastoring up there, uh, my dad lived right across from me. I, I gave that suit to my dad. And uh, I said, Dad, here's the suit. And uh, I said, I'm tired of it, so I gave it to my dad. And uh, I went over there one Sunday morning for church, and my dad had that uh, olive suit on, had a brown tie, black shoe, brown socks. And I said to my dad, I said, Dad, you can't wear that tie 
with that suit. You can't wear those shoes with that suit. He said, why? I said, it doesn't match. He said, it doesn't make any difference. And he went on and wore the church and a few years later died and went to heaven. It really didn't make any difference. We make choices every day. Some of them have permanent effects on our life. But decisions are terribly important. But you make three or four big decisions in your life and it affects all of your life. Who you marry will affect the rest of your life. Buddy, you got to go home. <laughs> hey, that's a big decision. It literally will. It affects all the rest of your life. It determines your happiness, your peace, your joy. If you marry the wrong person, it, it, it's tremendously important that you make the right choice in that area. How'd you like to marry somebody, a man that wouldn't work? If it didn't work, he'd drink all of his money up or come in and take his fist and beat your eyeballs out. Or marry a woman that wouldn't help, that wouldn't have any input into the marriage. See, it's tremendously important who you marry. Now, someone said, May Jackson said one time, said, he, he had this picture, the ugliest woman I've ever seen in my life. You've Some of you have seen. Showed an old woman one night after a meeting. Uh, she said, Brother May, you talk about your wife Dot all the time. And she couldn't see too good. It was about 80 some years old. She said, uh, you got a picture of your wife. He pulled that picture out. She looked at it and swallowed. And uh, she didn't want to say anything bad. He said, now, Miss Jones said, you know that uh, beauty's just skin deep, but ugly to the bone. <laughs> and, uh, and then finally he told her he, he, was, he, he was joking. Now, uh, when you choose somebody to marry, you don't want someone you got to bow your head. You can't look at her when she fixes your breakfast. I, I'm not saying that. But, but, hey, but you just don't pick somebody because they're pretty. For God's sake, get somebody that's got a little bit of character. But, but who you marry, that's tremendously important. How you make your living. It's important how, wouldn't you hate to have a job that you despised? And just like you couldn't, that's all you could do. You could never make it, but you, for 50 years, I've I, I had people say, I, I, oh, thank God I'm retired. I've had that job for 50 years and I hate it every day of it. That's bad. Better make some right choices on how you make your living. If you want to dig a ditch all your life, well, dig a ditch. Or you have some sense, you young people, and get some kind of a trade or an education. It's important how you make your living. Hey, but, but you know the greatest decision is who your master's going to be. 
Who, who are you going to serve in this world? Are you going to serve Jesus Christ or are you going to serve the devil? You see, it's tremendously important. But these people made a choice that day. You know what they chose? They chose not to believe God. That's the worst decision of their life. You say, why? But because for the next 38 years they wandered around like a chicken with its head cut off and died in the wilderness. Never did get to see God's promised land. Why? Because they made a choice. We will not believe what God said. You say, why? Why did they do that? I'm going to give you, number one, it says they saw the giants. Hey, you know there are giants in life. I used to preach a sermon, the giants keep coming. A lady uh, was over here this morning, so I said, you need to dust that off. I, I haven't preached it in years. I'm not going to preach it this morning. But, uh, but you know, there are giants in life. And, and, and we face them all the time. Hey, hey, to think that you can go through life and not face giants, you've got your head in the sand. Hey, there are giants all around us. Hey, you know, in our day, it seems like we've got physical giants. Have you, ever, have you ever stood next to some of those basketball players? I picked up Jonathan one time at the, when the uh, team came back, and, uh, you know, they don't look that big down on the floor. You stand up next to one of them. You, you come up to the back of their navel. <laughs> and, 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 you know, you know that they could take their fist and just crunch me. And there are giants. Wait a minute. What is a giant when you compare them to God? You see, there were giants in the land. Hey, but God said, I have given you the land. We face all kinds of giants. But you see, we maximize the giants and minimize God. The Bible says there's nothing impossible God. God's able to do exceedingly above all that we think or ask. You see, we look at the giants. They were looking at the giants, and they didn't look at God. Hey, there are giants. Hey, some of you this morning here, some of you are facing family giants. And it seems hopeless. You've done everything. It seems there's nothing that you can absolutely do. You, you've tried everything, and nothing works. And if we're not careful, we'll get to looking at that family giant, and we'll take our eyes off of God and the promises of God. I guarantee there are people in this building, your family's in a turmoil. We come to church, hey, we dress up, and, 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 and we hide all of this, but underneath, there's war in the family. Some of you, financial giants. You can't pay your bills. Oh, it's easy to talk about forgiveness. It's easy to forgive an enemy. But it's a little harder to forgive a person maybe you live with for 20 years, and, and they just walk off and leave you for a pretty face. When I was pastoring, we'd, we'd win people to God. And they said, I can't come to church up there. And I'd say, why? My ex goes up there. And he left me and the kids. 
Oh, he ain't gotten saved. But you see, they were having a hard time just forgiving that person. And, and, and I think this old flesh becomes a giant. You, you know, you get saved, but I'm telling you, sometimes I want to kill people. Don't you? Only by the grace of God. So, so, so there are giants. Hey, these people looked at the giants. Hey, but you got to quit looking at the giants. And the Bible says, look unto me, all ye ends of the earth, and be ye saved. And so they looked at the giants. And because they looked at the giants and not at God, it tells us in, in uh, Numbers 13 or 14 that... that, that they not, not only saw giants, hey, but they saw grief. Anytime you don't look to God, anytime you don't trust God, I'm telling you, it's going to bring grief in your life. And it says they all wept that night. The whole congregation wept. Even those that believed God, it affected them. You know, just a few of them saw God. Twelve spies went out. Twelve leaders of the twelve tribes. And you know, only two of them saw God. You say, why? Because everybody was looking at the giants. Hey, but two of them looked beyond the giants and said, sure, the giants are big. So what? We be well able because God said we could do it. Hey, you know what God wants to do? God just wants us to believe Him. Sometimes I have a hard time doing that. Oh, I, I, I know the Bible so. Every word of the Bible so. There's no question about that. I, I, I know that. I'd fight you over that. You'd probably win, but I'd fight you anyway. But you know what? Sometimes we don't believe God. Oh, you know, we'll get in a financial bind or something in the family or, or this old flesh will rise up or, or, or we'll be asked to forgive somebody. And, and, and listen, we just don't believe God. We do our own thing. Listen, why can't we believe God? Why can't you and I just believe God? Why don't I just always believe God? Hey, God's never failed me. God's never lied to me. God's always taken care of me from the day I got saved. God's always given me a place to preach. Hey, God's always, they told me when I left uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and came to Tennessee Temple back in the 60s. They said, you'll start it. I wasn't about to start it. Had it better than ever had it in my life. God's always taking care of me. Why don't we believe God? Now listen, I'm going to give you just a few reasons why we ought to believe God. Number one, hey, God loved us before we were born. Hey, I, I, I read it in Ephesians today. It said he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. God loved me. Before I was ever born, he knew all about me. He knew I'd be ornery, low down, sinful. He knew I wouldn't believe him. But yet the word of God says that he loved me before I was born. R wrote all my stuff in a book. <laughs> hey, before I was ever born, before I ever did any of it. God knew I'd not believe him. God knew I'd fail. God knew I'd stumble. Yet he loved me before I was born. 
He was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And, and, and the Bible said he was mindful of us, mindful of me, mindful of you. Jesus loved you before you were born. Hey, not only to love you for it, he lifted you up out of the mire. You know what it says? I believe it's in Psalm 113. You know, you, you read the Psalms through over and over and over. Sometimes something just jumps out. You know what it says? It said he lifted us out of a dung hill. Now, y'all smart. Y'all know what that is. He lifted us out of a dung hill. Hey, why can't I believe a God that loved me before I was born and reached down in the filth and the wickedness and my sin and lifted me up out, out of the dung hill? And the Bible says, and breathed in us the Spirit of God and made us His own children. Why can't we believe a God like that? I was preaching in uh, Fort Walton Beach and came out in the paper. This uh, man worked down in the sewers and it told in the paper about a little dog fell down in the sewer and, and asphyxiated, had died. And said that man that worked in those sewers took that dog out, washed its mouth off, and gave it mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation. And I thought, boy, how? I, 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 well, I could do that or not for a dog. And I love my dog. But then I, I read about God reaching down. A holy, listen, a, thri a thrice holy God reaching down into the filth and the mire, lifting us up and breathing into us the Spirit of God. Yeah. Why can't we believe a God who would love us before, lift us up, hey, and look after us? You know, God looked out, look at you. None of you starving to death. If God had treated us like we treat Him, most of us would starve. God looked after us. I, I remember Doreen and I, before I was living for God, I said, sorry. I, I remember we lived in an old house. When you sat down on the bed, all you had to do was just sit down to take your shoes off and the oven door fly down. Had to get a stick and prop it up. I, I remember not even having a washing machine and, and uh, have to go to the laundromat, wash your clothes, throw them over there in the sheet like a bunch of gypsies, you know, coming up the street. Remember driving old sorry cars. I had an old car. I had a, a, a God just wouldn't let it run a wreck. It was an MGA, a sports car. All kind of aqua color. And... Uh, I take it over to, just everyone wasn't working those kind of cars those days, and I took it over to get it fixed, and uh, they said it's ready, and I'd go out to get in, it wouldn't start. And uh, they said, they pushed me off, and they said, bring it back in the morning. And uh, we lived on Trinity Avenue, and I'd, I'd park that car, and so Doreen would get in, and I'd push her down to the top of the hill there, then she'd scoot over, and I'd jump in, and, uh, and you know, she didn't have to throw it down in gear and start it, 
And uh, I, I'd do that. I did it for a couple of mornings. There's a car just, <laughs> nobody ever stopped to help me. Not one time. So I went out there one morning. I said, honey, you push and I'll drive. <laughs> and uh, I knew she wouldn't have to push. Hey, we got the car on the road. She got out there, pretty little old thing, you know. And uh, all those men stopped and they'd push that car. Then we got right with God, and <laughs> one, one night we're on visitation, and business guy, uh, people, and that guy looked at me and said, you know, y'all look familiar. <laughs> and uh, he, came, he said, you know, this looks for some familiar to us. And uh, finally he, he said, you're that little blonde-headed lady. You supposed to push that car on the road. And then I had to explain to him, hey, wait a minute, I'm not that, that bad of a guy, but y'all never would stop to help me push. But you, I said, man, I'm too smart. I knew you'd stop to help her, but I remember those days. Hey, but I drive a car and they'll start. Mother and door doesn't fly down. I got a wash machine. All I'm saying is this, hey, God has looked after us. God has supplied her need. Had a preacher buddy, he was so poor. They took him. His wife, you'd have to know him, had an abscess tooth. <laughs> she didn't have any money to go to the doctor. She said, You got to pull my tooth, George. Hey, he took a pair of vice grips, pulled her tooth. I said to him a while back, I said, George, you remember when you were so poor? He said, Yeah. He said, I gave over $9,000 to God last year. I'm just telling you, hey, won't you live for God? Hey, God, God looks after you. Why can't we trust a God like that? You see, God's way down the road looking after us. Hey, he's looking after us, Brother Rick. Hey, but we don't even know he's looking after us. I got a lot more to say, but I, I, I'm going to tell you this. Why don't you trust God? Hey, why don't I trust God? I, I, read, I read a little story about Calvinese. Calvin's a preacher up in Ohio. Calvin said at one time he started to quit the ministry. He said, you know, he said, uh, I was so poor, couldn't feed my family, and I couldn't buy decent clothes, had an old cart, wouldn't run. And... and uh, he went on and told how he got encouraged and stayed in there. But, but he said a guy came up to him years later at this church that supports their ministry, biggest supporter they got. And he said, Calvin, you, you know why we supported you all these years? He said, it wasn't because we liked your preaching. It wasn't even really because we liked you. But he said, I saw you kneeling at the altar one night, and, and the bottom of your shoe had a big hole in it. And God laid on my heart been helping him for years and years. See, Calvin thought that was bad. No, that was God taking care of Calvin on down the road. Hey, you can trust God. Hey, I can trust God. Why don't we trust God? Let me tell you this. I've told you this year before, I think. If I haven't, I hope I have. A few years ago, about three years ago, I guess, I was going to uh, East Lansing, Michigan, going to preach up there. And right down there, they got Baker Bookhouse and all these uh, different used bookstores. And Kriegel, and, and I was telling this preacher up uh, Iceville about it. He said, uh, he said, man, I'd like to go up there and look at those books. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care about preaching. I do preach. I like to go up there and look at the books. And uh, 
He said, he said, yeah, I, I like to go up there. He said, you reckon that preacher care if I, so I called the preacher. The preacher said, bring him on. He can stay right up there. Make, we'll give him a place. They don't worry about it. And uh, anyway, I met him in Knoxville and somewhere up in Kentucky, we stopped and ate lunch. I mean, listen, we ate one of those smorgasbord places. You know how you do. Right before you're going to die, you know, I'm going to die tomorrow. And, and man, we ate and ate and ate and ate. We got in the car. I was so full. And I said to him, I said, Jack, I said, man, I'm, I'm full. I said, but now, we won't eat any supper tonight, right? He said, no, we won't eat any supper. I said, well, we might get a piece of pie or coffee. But I said, we're not going to eat any supper. Not going to eat any supper, he said. And I no more than said that until I looked over there and I saw a sign that said, Dairy Queen. <laughs> and, and I said, uh, let me stop and get us a, one of those blizzards. Hey, just whip right off. Both of us are full. We couldn't hardly say. And, and, and so we got off, and I got my blizzard. I was going up to the cash register, and I saw a girl standing there. She, she looked a sight. I, I mean, listen, she looked like she'd been making mud pies. She had on a little white T-shirt. Looked like she'd wiped her hands on it. And, and uh, I mean, she just looked bad. Looked like she was abject poverty, you know. And uh, I, I thought that she had something in her hand. I thought, now, she's... she's uh, having a rough time. I, I walked on outside, and, and there's an old guy pulling up in the car out there. The old car was going boom, 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 boom. And it looked like the crows had picked that little top of that vinyl top. It looked like it wouldn't get to the next exit. And this guy got out, and in my heart, I said, that's her husband. You say, why? Well, because nobody else was going in there with her, nor him either one. And about that time, as he got out of that car, my buddy's got a strange voice. Jack's got kind of a, a strange voice. He said, Gene? I, I looked around and I thought, I didn't see anybody but that one guy. My buddy, I heard my buddy's voice. He said, Gene? I looked around and I said, Jack, do you know him? He said, yeah. He said his uh, grandma goes to my church. Said she loves God. He said, Gene, where in the world are you going? He said, Hammond, Indiana. I told somebody he's going to Hiles Anderson's roll. <laughs> you won't get that. <laughs> and uh, he said, you got any gas? He said, no. About empty. He said, hey, pull up over there and got his tank full of gas. He said, you, you got any money? He said, well, we got a $10 money on our grandma gave us, but nobody have cash. If you looked at him, you wouldn't cash either. And, and gave him $20. Now listen, we got in the car. I begin to think, man, isn't that something? That you meet somebody out here in the interstate that you know? Jack Gassaway got on the phone and got a hold of that boy's grandma and told her, said, I met Gene out here on the interstate. Got him some gas and gave him some money. Here's what his grandma said. She said, preacher, she said, I, I've been worried about him all day. She said, I've been praying all day. Oh, God said, the old car wouldn't run. Said, I gave him a $10 money order. Said, I, I didn't think they could. I said, oh, God, please take care of Gene. Now, listen, Gene didn't love God. Gene's wife didn't love God. They didn't care anything about God. They didn't go to church. 
But you see, there was a little old grandma back there to care. And I want you to think of all the exits between Asheville, North Carolina, and Berea, Kentucky. We got off at the same time, and God got them off at the same time because of little grandma back there praying. Listen, why can't you and I trust a God like that? God cares about us. Hey, God cares about you. The devil will tell you God doesn't care. Hey, the devil's liar. Hey, God does care. But you know what it said about these people? It says, they believed not God. you got a choice today to believe God or not to believe God. If you don't believe God, there will be much weeping in your life and much sorrow, and your life's not going to end up the way you think it is. But if you'll believe God some way, somehow, hey, God will make a way. I want you to bow your head with me this morning. I want the musicians to come. It says, they believed not God. Let me ask you, do you believe God this morning? Do I believe God this morning? Oh, we believe God when things are going good. Hey, but how about when things are going bad? I want you to stand with me this morning. Here's what I want you to do. Maybe you're facing giants today in your life. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's with your flesh. One guy told me one time, said, I can overcome anything but temptation. You know, some folk get, get saved, quit drinking. But they never get victory over their temper. They quit drugs. They never get victory over their mind, their thought life. Maybe you face the giant that's in your family. Maybe it's financial. Hey, maybe it's with this old flesh. I don't know what it is. Maybe just in your family. Why don't you come this morning and say, God, help me to believe you. Would you do that this morning? God, help me to believe you today. It says they, they thought it wasn't important to believe God. As the musicians play, would you come this morning? And if you don't know Christ, boy, you, you, I'm telling you, the greatest choice you'll ever make is to choose to trust the Lord Jesus Christ today. Would you come this morning and say, God, help me to believe you. God, I'm going to believe you. Would you come this morning? God bless you. Would you come and say, God, I'm going to believe you. And you know, sometimes I can't help what people do to me. Only thing I can do is, by the grace of God, ask God to help me to react to how people treat me. Hey, I, 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 I can't. If my wife decided to leave me today, wouldn't be anything I could do. Well, I could kill her. What could I do? What if somebody in your family decides to go out and be a drunkard or a dopehead? Had him in church. What can you do? You know the only thing you can really do? Believe God and trust God. Give it to God. Would you come this morning? As, as Rick and the choir sings, would you come this morning? Come on.